verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Then he says in verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then he says, I'm persuaded, I'm sure that all these things, death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will stop God from loving you. And when you understand that, faith works by love. What love? The love that the Father has for you. When you understand the love that the Father has for you, your faith will go through the roof. Hallelujah. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as we discuss the effortless life of God's grace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast. I'm Al Jennings, and I am glad that you have tuned into this, whether audio or video. I'm glad that you are participating with me. I'm currently in a study on the enemies of faith. We're going to begin in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are deep into this teaching. I believe this is part 8. Our foundation scripture is in 1 Timothy 6.12, I'm going to read the first six words, which there is a lot packed into these six words. It says, Paul says, writing to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. This series is called Enemies of Faith because your faith has enemies. And the first word says fight. Well, if we're to fight, then that means we're in a battle of some sort, right? So it lets us know that it is a good fight, which is good. And that must mean that we win, right? Because it's not a good fight if you lose. The reason why as believers that we're the fight that we're in is a good fight is because Jesus already won the battle for us on the cross through his finished work on the cross. Somebody say hallelujah. Praise God. It's a good time to play. Let me find that um, that applause button, right? Now I can't find it. There it is. Yes. <laughs> Jesus won the victory for us. And it tells us what kind of fight that we're in. We're in a fight. The Bible says we're in a fight, and it's a good fight because we win, because Jesus won the victory for us. The kind of fight that we are in is a faith fight. The devil, our enemy, is out to steal our faith. If he can steal your faith, steal your believing in God, stop you, from believing in God, he's got you where he wants you, okay? So the fight that we're in is a faith fight. 
So if we're in a fight, then there must be enemies to our faith, right? Because if there were no enemies, then there would be no fight to faith. Okay? So I'm sharing teaching on major, some major enemies to our faith. All right? And so let's do a bit of review. Enemy number one is a lack of knowledge of God's word. We cannot afford to be ignorant of God's word. We've got a lot to cover, so I'm not going to do uh, a lot of review or any review, just give you these um, four enemies that we have already discussed. Today we're on enemy number five, which I will introduce in a moment. Enemy number one is a lack of knowledge of God's word. Enemy number two is a failure to act like God's word is true. Enemy number three, and you can go back and listen to or watch all these messages, either on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Enemy number three is being governed by sense, knowledge, evidence. Enemy number four, which I covered last week, is a lack of endurance or steadfastness. All right, so I encourage you strongly to go back and listen to those teachings. Boy, we we feasted really good, and we're going to feast some more today, everybody, all right? So let's dive into enemy number five. Let me give it to you. Enemy number five is not understanding God's love for you. All right. Not understanding the father's love for you. Okay. Let's jump into Galatians chapter six. Uh, Excuse me. Galatians chapter five. But before we do that, let me share something with you. For many years, my focus was on, well, you got to love God. You got to love God. You got to, um, Love people. And almost all of my teaching on love was about loving people, loving God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Those two things are important. Loving God and loving people. They are extremely important. All right? But love doesn't start there. That's where, that's not where we should start our discussion on love. Okay, now, while loving God and loving people are important, it doesn't start there. Our discussion on love should start with the love that our Father God has for us. Amen. And his love is unconditional. It's unconditional. Excuse me. Now, Um, now let me make a statement. Loved people love people. (laughs) Got that? Loved 
people, people who are loved by God. Loved people love God and love people. Yes. Now, let's look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, I'll tell you, for years, I taught this wrong. I taught this like this. I would say, okay, so faith works through love. So you, you better make sure you're walking in love. You make better make sure you are walking in love, that your love walk is straight. Because if it if it isn't, then your faith is not going to work. All right. Now, I had it wrong. What are we talking about today? Not understanding the father's love for you. Okay. So this is not talking about your love, your love for people, your love for God. This is talking about God's love for you. Now, is, isn't that different? Now, that's a different concept, a different perspective for many people. It was a different perspective for me when I discovered it. So faith works through love. This is talking about not your love for God or your love for people. This is talking about God's love for you. Faith, your faith will work. And this is why this is one of the enemies of faith because your faith cannot work. All right? Your faith cannot work if you don't understand the Father's love for you. Faith works when you understand how much your heavenly father loves you. When you understand that God loves you unconditionally and that there is nothing you can do about it. Praise God. God loves you and there's not a thing that you could do about it. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less. Let me say it a different way. There's no bad thing you can do to get God to love you less. And there's no good thing that you could do to get God to love you any more than he loves you right now. If that were the case, if you could do something to get God to stop loving you, then that would that would make his love conditional but his love is unconditional for so many years I teach I had the right definition I taught on agape love God's love as unconditional but I acted as though I, I preached a mixed a mixed gospel for years I taught as though his love was dependent upon our performance Okay, but that's not the case. Back to this verse. Faith works through understanding the Father's love for you. 
once you understand how much the Father loves you. Now, let me say this. In a whole lifetime, you will never fully exhaust um, like how much God God loves you. you. You'll never really fully comprehend. That's what I'm trying to say. You'll never fully comprehend how much God loves you. I mean, it's it's God's love is so deep. We'll look at it. That scripture that, that covers that talks about the width, the length, the depth, the height. A good friend of Carl and I's, Sandra McCollum, she said, I used to think that God's love was um, the ABCs of Christianity. But then when she got a revelation of grace, she understood something different. She began to discover that it's not the ABCs. It's the whole alphabet. <laughs> You'll never fully comprehend how much he loves you. But, but we need to understand how much he loves us. I mean, uh, we, we need to understand that he loves you unconditionally and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, what does that have to do with faith? Faith works through love. Faith works through understanding the Father's love for you. Once you understand how much he loves you, praise God, your faith will go through the roof. Huh? We won't fully understand it, but you got to understand it. Okay, I hope you understand that. <laughs> we, we, we need to understand that he loves me. All right. Now, the how much, it's, it's, it's just inexhaustible. I mean, you just can't exhaust your understanding it, it gets you you get deeper and deeper in the ocean and you find out how deeper it goes but we need to have a certain level that's a good way to say it, a certain level of understanding and that level will go higher and higher as you grow in God but but we need to understand how much he loves us because once you get to a certain level of understanding his love, and it's not difficult. What's difficult is the religious teaching that we've had for so many years, thinking that we had to earn his love and earn his approval and earn his acceptance. And that's not the case. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you anymore. You can do all the good things. You can read five chapters every day in the Bible. You can pray for two hours, but God's not going to love you anymore than he would if you never picked up the scripture and never prayed. His love is not dependent upon your performance. Huh? That doesn't mean we don't do things for God. It doesn't mean we don't love God. But once you understand the Father's love for you, your love for God, see what I said in the, in the beginning. Remember? This subject of love doesn't start with loving people and loving God. It starts by understanding God's love for you. Because when you understand God's love for you, See, then it's going to be easy for you to love people and love God back because you're going to love people 
and you're going to love God as a reflex reaction. Oh, yeah. To the Father's love for you. It's just going to be automatic. Yeah, because this love, we're going to see. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's let's just let's let's stay here for, for a second. When you understand how much God loves you, your faith is going to go through the roof. See, you. And conversely, you you can't really operate in faith if you don't understand how much He loves you. See. Because if you think that his love is conditional and based on your performance, based on something you do, and you think you have to earn God's love, then your faith is not going to be effective because you're not going to be able to believe God and release your faith for things like healing or whatever you're believing for, for your children or for your finances or for your spouse. There's always going to be something in your mind that tells you, well, I'm not loving God enough or I'm not doing enough and there's something I need to do and I was disobedient. I didn't do what God told me to do, so therefore my faith is being hindered and, and you think that something is holding you back and you think that there's something that you're doing that's not making your faith work. But that's not the case because God's love, when you understand he loves you unconditionally, then it's not dependent upon your performance. Okay? When you understand there's something about understanding God's unconditional love that will cause your faith to just soar and go through the roof. Amen. Because you know he loves you unconditionally. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not Watch this, not that we have loved God. See, it's not about, this is what I, I would say, it's not about your love for God, but it's about his love for you. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. It's not about our loving God, even though we should. But again, it's a reflex reaction to the love that the Father has for us. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Got it? Mark this in your Bible. This is very important. Okay. I missed this for so many years. Hallelujah. But I got it now. Isn't it wonderful that we can always grow? Once you think you know everything, you stop growing. Right? I'll know more next year than I know right now. I'll have a better understanding of the Father's love next year than I do right now because we're growing, amen? And so should you, all right? But we should know enough to know that his love is unconditional and it's not based on your performance. God doesn't do a, 
the I love you, I love you not. So we shouldn't be thinking, he loves me, he loves me not. I didn't do what he told me to do. I didn't pray today. I didn't read the Bible today. So he doesn't love me as much as he loves somebody else that read 10 chapters and prayed three hours now. He loves them. I know more than me because I've been slacking. And then you're going to try to believe God for something, but then think that because he doesn't love you based on you not reading and praying, then you think that, well, he's not possibly going to answer my prayer or it's going to hinder my believing for my healing or for my finances. See, that's wrong thinking. And see, not understanding the Father's love for you is an enemy to your faith. Look at this verse. So we have come to know, 1 John 4, 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. I hope this is making sense to you. I hope you're getting revelation from this. We have come to know. See, we, we should progressively come to know. And believe. See, not just knowing the love, but believing in the love. Trusting in the love that God has for us. We have come to know and, and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. God doesn't have love. He has faith. He has a lot of attributes. But he is love. All right. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Romans 5 verse 8. But God, let's look at this very carefully. But God shows his love for us in that, watch this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. Now, well, let's let's read the next verse first. Then I'll say something. I'm going to say something. All right. God showed or demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, verse 10, for if we were, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, look at this, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Wow. Now, let's back up and go to uh, verse 8 again. Because, you see, sometimes we can just stop here or just read one verse 
and think that it's talking about the love that he has for us as sinners. But this is really not the focus of this passage. The focus of this passage in context is not to show the love that he has for sinners, but to show the love that he has for the believer. And many people in the church world have missed this. Okay. Now we seem to understand the unconditional love of God. Now everybody's got the right definition. Okay. Let me just throw that out there. Like I said, I taught about God's unconditional love. I could give you the definition from the Greek and all of that. But I acted like it was conditional. I would give the definition, but then I would teach a mixed message. On one hand, I would say it's unconditional, and then I would teach that you got to do these things in order for God to love you, for him to be, or for him to accept you, for you to get God's approval, you have to earn it. See, that's a mixed message. Okay. So, this passage is really talking about the love that God has for the believer. Now, most Christians would, would agree that God, when you come to God as a, as a sinner, that God's love is unconditional. It doesn't make any difference what you did before you got saved. All right, none of that matters. You become a new creation in Christ. And you can say, well, you know, I was a bad person and I did this and I did that. Well, it doesn't really make any difference what you did or didn't do. We all have to come to the foot of the cross to be saved, right? Okay, all have sinned and come short, fall short of the glory of God. Everybody's got to come through the cross to be saved. But let's analyze this. And let me give you a, a real example here of, of how things play out in religion. Okay, now keep in mind, this is not talking about God's love for the sinner. He says this in passing to talk about his love for the believer. Watch this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, since therefore, okay, here's his point. Since therefore we have now been justified, the word justified means declared righteous. Now that we have been declared righteous by his blood, much more shall we be, be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now, Here's how things play out. Let me give you an example. In religion, you have people who, they come to church, and let's say Joe. Joe gives his life to the Lord. He accepts Jesus as his Savior. Okay? 
Now, Joe feels really bad about the way he's been living. And, uh, but he gives his life to the Lord, but he still feels bad. And the believers gather around him and, and they're excited and they rejoice because he got saved. And uh, they tell him, hey, you are a new creation in Christ. You've been born again. You got a new life. Okay, all things have passed away. All things become new. But then Joe, he still has a sad look on his face. And he said, look, but y'all don't understand. I'm a drug dealer. Um, I'm, I'm hooked on crack. I'm a fornicator. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an adulterer. And the believers say, stop, stop, stop. Okay. None of that matters. Okay. You are brand new. Old things have passed away. You got a fresh start. In your spirit, you're born again. You are a person who never existed before in your spirit. All right. Paul was a person. Sidebar here or side note. Paul was a person who stood by and watched as Christians were were murdered. When his name was Saul before his conversion, he um, sent believers to prison. It was his job to hunt out people who believed in Jesus and persecuted them severely. Watched as they were killed, okay? But in, in another place, Paul says, Receive us, for we have wronged no man. What do you mean, Paul? Now, this is after his conversion. He says, we have corrupted no man. We have wronged no man. What do you mean you wronged no man? You corrupted no man. You, you used to persecute Christians and stand by while they were killed. But see, the beauty of the new creation is that old things passed away. Paul's a brand new person. He's not that person anymore that did those things. And now Paul, after his conversion, he's responsible for over half of the New Testament. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, so back to back to Joe. And so Joe says, you know what? I did all these bad things, but the believers tell him, no, those things are, that old man is dead. And you're a new creation in Christ. And Joe gets excited. All right. Now, Two weeks later, Joe is struggling. And uh, he was doing good for a couple of days. He, he, he stayed off the crack. Uh, left the women behind that he was fornicating with and so forth. And uh, didn't get drunk. But then he struggled. He, he went to the bottle and got drunk got some crack, committed adultery and that kind of stuff. And he goes back to these same believers. And they say, okay, now, Joe, now you're a brand new person. And um, God loves you. He loved you when you were a sinner. Now that you're saved, okay, you got to stop that stuff, man. 
or God's not going to love you anymore. See, that's a bad message. Okay? And see, this teaching right here contradicts that. Okay? People that believe that way don't understand this because, watch this. If you're treating Joe like that, you're acting like now he loved you while you were a sinner and now as a believer, now you're cleaned up. You're significantly better than you were when you were a sinner and God loved you when you were a sinner. All right? He loved all of us while we were sinners. So are you going to tell me now that I'm saved and I make some mistakes that God loves me less? This, this passage tells us the opposite. He loved us while we were sinners. Rem remember what I said. And don't take my word for it. Just, just look at this passage. It's not really talking about the love that he has for sinners. It's talking about the love he has for believers. That's his point. That's Paul's point. He said he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified or now that we're better because we've been made new creations, much more shall we be saved. Let's put it this way. Much more does he love us now that we've been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. He's not going to love us less than he did before, right? Because his love is unconditional, all right? If he's going to love Joe less when he loved Joe while he was a sinner, are you going to tell me now that he's been made a new creation, he's better than he was before, okay? That now God loves him less? No, much more shall we be saved by him for, from the wrath of God. God's not going to punish him for his mistakes because his love is unconditional. It's not based on Joe's performance. It's not based on your performance. For if, verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that, that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Praise God. Got it? Let's go to a few more passages here. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, so that Christ, now this is a, a prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love God wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. This is what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And it's true for us today. God wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. He goes on to say, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. See, it's hard to even describe how much God loves us. Paul prays 
And this prayer is good for us too today. Paul prays that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Praise God. And this love, according to Romans 5, 5, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love. This love that I'm talking about, the Father's love for you, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Know that the Father loves you and his love for you is poured into your heart. Hallelujah. Be saturated with the love that the Father has for you. I want to close with this passage in Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against against us? Now, let's see how God's love is connected to our walking in victory. And see, walking in victory is connected to your faith, right? Because 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But you're not going to walk in victory if you don't understand the Father's love for you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't make any difference what you're going through. If God is for you, nobody can be successfully arrayed against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And all things are working together for your good. If you're dealing with something today, you're going through a struggle, you're going through a trying time, understand this, that all things work together for your good. Hallelujah. Because he loves you. All right. He who did not spare his own son, boy, this is a powerful verse right here. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He gives us all things by his grace. Praise God. He gave you his very best, his own son. So how will he not also with him graciously give you healing, give you prosperity? Amen. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. See, God doesn't condemn us. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. 
Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or persecution, excuse me, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword Who shall separate us from what? The love of Christ. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Nay, no, in all these things. Watch this. No matter what you're going through, we're talking about persecution. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. Not because we love him. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Glory to God. See, it's what I started off talking about. It's about not your love for him, but his love for you. When you understand how much he loves you, you will be more than a conqueror. For I am persuaded, one translation says, this translation says, ESV, for I am sure. What are you sure of, Paul? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. See, this is really talking about the love of God. Notice how many times the love of God shows up, comes up here. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, notice how many times he talks about God's love. Verse 31 talks about if God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Okay. There's first mention of it. Then he says in verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then he says, I'm persuaded, I'm sure that all these things, death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will stop God from loving you. And when you understand that, faith works by love. What love? The love that the Father has for you. When you understand the love that the Father has for you, your faith will 
go through the roof. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I hope you got something out of this lesson today. Praise God. Not understanding the Father's love for you is an enemy to your faith. But when you understand that the Father loves you unconditionally, praise God, your faith will work. Praise God. There's nothing like the love of God. There's nothing that can match it. Child of God. All right. I appreciate y'all so much for listening or watching. Praise God. It's a pleasure to share the word of God with you. And so that's it for today. And uh, we'll be back next week for another episode. All right. All right, everybody. Pastor Al out. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.